Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at St. Philip United Methodist Church, and I'd like to welcome you to this latest message from our church. The message today is entitled, The Shoes of Sonship. As we get started, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful weekend and this blessed uh, uh, day, and uh, we pray that you would help us to just die daily to you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be those that desire to take up their cross daily and follow you. Father, we pray that you would go before us today and uh, just keep the enemy at bay. And we pray that you would meet the needs of everyone listening to this message at this time and bring them closer to you. And may this time just bring a new revelation to each of us as we share together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our scripture lesson is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's the 15th chapter, the 17th through the 24th verses. But I'm just going to lift out right now the key verse that we're going to be talking about. You know the story. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And so, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You see, when the prodigal son arrives, he apparently wasn't wearing any shoes. Now, there are only two kinds of people who didn't wear uh, sandals or shoes the extremely destitute who couldn't afford them, and servants or slaves. And both categories could fit the prodigal son, but I would presume that if the prodigal son had sandals, he would have taken them off as he approached his father because he was asking to be taken back as a hired servant. And so here's what the shoes represent. In the Bible, the shoes represent rights. And here in this passage, we see that the father is giving his son back his rights as a son. In the past, we've looked at the ring of authority, and uh, we've looked at the robe of righteousness that are ours, and today we're looking at the shoes of sonship. Now, as we're looking at these shoes and what they mean, in order to first understand uh, what putting shoes on represents, I want to show you what taking shoes off represents. There's a love story in the Old Testament about Ruth and Boaz. It's found in the book of Ruth. And Boaz wanted to marry Ruth, and Ruth wanted to marry Boaz, but there was another relative who was next in line to marry Ruth, and so Boaz couldn't marry her unless this relative gave up his rights. And so Boaz went to this relative, and then he got some witnesses together, and he asked the relative if he was going to marry Ruth, because if the man was not, Boaz wanted to marry her. The man said he didn't want to marry Ruth, and then he took off his shoe, and he handed his shoe to Boaz. And in Ruth, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, we read this. 
Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. So you see, taking off the shoe and handing it to the other was a way of officially relinquishing your rights or sealing a deal. And so this man, when he took off his shoe and he gave it to Boaz, he was giving up his right to marry Ruth and giving that right to Boaz. And it's from this that we get the idea of the kinsman redeemer. And many times Boaz is looked on as a type of Christ or as a kind of a forerunner or a precursor or a, a picture of, a, of, of Jesus. Because you see, Christ has redeemed us and exchanged his righteousness for our sin. Just like Ruth was redeemed by Boaz, we have been redeemed by uh, our kinsman redeemer. So when Jesus came to earth, he relinquished his rights as God. It says that he emptied himself and he took upon himself the form of man. And he did that so that he could be a perfect sacrifice on our behalf. In order to do that, he gave up his rights as God and took on the form of man. I've never noticed this before this week. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, he wore no shoes. He gave up his rights as the son so that we could become sons and daughters. He paid dearly for the shoes that the Father wants to put on your feet. Now this all comes from Deuteronomy, the 25th chapter, when we first see the kinsman redeemer uh, kind of coming about. It was a little bit rougher than what we see happening with Boaz and Ruth. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Now see, this is uh, whenever the, uh, a man has died and uh, his wife is uh, uh, now uh, without a husband. And so the next in line, the next brother is supposed to marry her, but the children are going to bear his brother's name. When this happens, if the guy doesn't want to marry, he says, then, well, whenever this happens, it says, then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. And they're going to talk about this. You, know, you need to marry her. But I don't want to marry her. And so he, it says in the scripture, it says, but if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, <clears throat> remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. From that point on, he's going to bear this stigma. Now, Boaz 
gave Ruth's next in line kinsman redeemer a much more dignified out than the one that's prescribed in Deuteronomy 25. But the result is the same. The man handed over, he relinquished his rights to marry Ruth by taking off his shoe. Uh, there's another story about shoes. Moses and the burning bush. It says when the Lord uh, saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So here the Lord says, Moses, take your shoes off. If you want to talk to me, first of all, you have to give up your rights. And this is so important, people, and I pray that you would get this today. There's another place in, in Joshua, the fifth chapter, the 13th through the 15th verses. As uh, Joshua is outside Jericho, getting ready uh, to uh, wage war or siege on Jericho, uh, he comes across a man. It says, Behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Notice he calls him his Lord. Then the commander of the Lord's army shall, or the will of the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandal. Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now notice whenever the uh, uh, commander of the Lord answers Joshua, when he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? When Joshua says, are you for us or are you against us? His answer is no. He says, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. And if you want to be under my leadership, you have to give all up. You have to give up your rights. Take off your shoes. Give up your rights. Well, Joshua did so. And he took his lead from the Lord and under the leadership and the power and the presence of the Lord, the walls of Jericho tumbled. Now then, what the father is doing here is he's giving his son his rights of sonship back. Put your shoes back on. Moses and Joshua both, both put their shoes back on and after having given up their rights to the Lord, the Lord gives them direction and they follow it. And they led God's people in God's authority and not their own. Now remember Jesus told three parables in response to the religious leader's criticism of his welcoming tax collectors and sinners into the kingdom of God and associating with them. He told the parable of the coin, the sheep, and the son. And notice that the owner searched for the coin and he found it and he put it back where it was supposed to be. The shepherd 
searches for the sheep, finds the sheep, and brings it back to the flock. But the father doesn't go searching for the son. He waits. He waits until the son makes up his mind and comes home. The difference between the coin and the sheep and the son is that the son has his own will and has to make his own decision to give up his rights and come home. And so he does. And at the end of the story, we see what we gain by giving up our rights, by relinquishing our rights, and then receiving the shoes of sonship. In Luke 15:31, the father is speaking to his eldest son, and he says, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now see, the father calls him son, and he says, You're always with me, and all that I have is yours. And this gives us insight into what you receive through the, the shoes of sonship. You see, once you give up your rights and receive the shoes of sonship, you receive this reward, two, two things. First of all, you receive his presence. The Father is always with you. And then you also wind up having access to his resources. All that the Father has is yours. Now, as we're getting close to the end here, I want to say that this is something that we don't just do one time. This is something we have to do every day. This is what Paul meant when he, when he said, I die daily. Every day we have to lay aside we have to lay aside our rights and put on the shoes of sonship. We have to put our rights aside. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, you have to deny yourself. You have to set aside your rights. You relinquish your rights to yourself and you take on your rights as a son in the household or as a daughter in the household of God. You have to lay down your rights every day in order to take on the rights of sonship or daughtership. And when you do, you have his presence with you and his resources to draw on. Now, Sad to say, I know there are a lot of Christians who live without the Lord's presence or resources because they have never given up their rights. They never understood what the Lord was saying when he was saying, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. They, they look on this self-denial thing as uh, picking out something that you want to give up. No, you deny yourself. You set aside your rights. You give the Lord rights to you. Now sometimes, like with the scribes and Pharisees, it's pride that stands in the way. I remember one time I asked a church member who was having financial difficulty if he had asked for the Lord's help, and he said, I didn't ask him for anything when things were going well. 
I'm sure not going to ask him for anything now. Now that is pride talking. And that's going to bar you from the Lord's presence and it's going to bore you, bar you from the Lord's resources. That's one big area, but I'm afraid there's another area that's even bigger, and that's the area of unforgiveness and bitterness. As I was thinking about this this week, it dawned on me that Jonah is the perfect example of someone who knew the Lord, who knew the Lord's character, and and, and the Lord wanted to use him, and yet he refused to give up his rights. You can see this so clearly at the end, after Jonah has reluctantly prophesied to the people of Nineveh, and they have all repented, and they've been spared by God, Jonah is bitter, and he is angry. He didn't want to forgive his enemies, he didn't want God to forgive them, and he sure didn't want God to spare them. He wanted them to just to turn them to toast. And Jonah is pouting after this has happened, and the Lord spared them. And God asked Jonah what right he has to be angry. And you know what? Jonah doesn't speak to the Lord. He just ignores him and goes on out into the wilderness, into the desert, it sounds like, when you read the story. And uh, he just runs from God some more. And then God causes a vine to grow up and to give Jonah some shade to pout under out in the hot baking sun. But then he sends a worm that eats up the plant, and the plant's gone. And then Jonah is just livid. And in, John, in Jonah 4, 9, we read this. But God said to him, What right do you have to be angry about the plant? This is two times that he's asked Jonah what right he has to be angry. And this is something you need to ask yourself. If you're harboring bitterness toward someone, if you're harboring, unforgi harboring unforgiveness towards someone, what right do you have to not forgive them? What right do you have to, to be angry at them? Well, you very well may be in the same category where Jonah was. Look at what, listen to what Jonah replies. I have every right to be angry, angry enough to die. He is just livid with anger and bitterness. And then the Lord takes him to task for being upset about a plant when he should be caring about all the 120,000 people that the Lord cared about and wanted to give a second chance and wound up able to give it to them when they repented. But how about you? Is there some area where you're holding on to your rights? Is there an area of bitterness or unforgiveness where you're holding on to your rights and barring yourself from your rights as a son or a daughter of the Most High God? Are you one of those who uh, have never known the Lord's presence or felt like you were a part of His kingdom and had His assets at your disposal? Well, this could very well be the answer why. 
Is there some area where you have refused to relinquish your rights? You can't really come to him. You can't be his child unless you're willing to give up your rights. If that's you and you are uh, barring yourself from, from those wonderful things that he has for you, let me tell you, the Lord's promise where two or more are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. We are on holy ground. And I ask you, take off your shoes. Relinquish your rights. Because God has such good things just waiting for you. And you're going to miss them if you don't. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us an area of our lives where we may be barring you from working uh, through us, in us, uh, from uh, being able to bless us with your presence and your power and making uh, your assets uh, uh, available to us. Forgive us, O oh God. If we have been hanging on to our right to be angry, forgive us. Uh, if we have been uh, uh, one of those who uh, has been uh, angry at a whole group of people that you want to call to repentance and, 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 and forgive us for, uh, for, for failing to realize that you want to forgive them and you want us to be free from bitterness. Remind us today that forgiveness is not for the benefit of others. It's for our benefit. Free us, Lord, we pray, from bitterness, from pride, from all those other things that bar us from being willing to receive your rights, rights as sons and children of God. Help us to relinquish our rights so we can receive the rights that you want to give us in Jesus' name, amen.